Amen. Amen. Great video of Peter, huh? We all know the story in the Bible, don't we? Peter gets out the boat and walks on water. Powerful story in the scriptures. And uh, before we continue to wrap up our series, I want to give thanks for Odud and his wife, Fola, for communion. Amen. And just being reminded of the power of the scriptures and just how God works miraculous ways in our lives. Amen. And, uh, you know, this morning we do wrap up our Storm Chaser series. Uh, in this passage uh, of Matthew 14, that's where we're going to be coming out of today. We're going to recognize how Peter handled the storms in his life. And I believe there are some things that we'll be able to pull from the story of Peter that I believe will help us as we close out our Storm Chaser series. Amen? It's been great to be able to start off with Noah. Uh, but we kicked things off with Noah, and then we had Sir Lennox share about Jonah and uh, and all his issues, <laughs> about how God worked proudly there. And then we had uh, John Bean share last week about Paul and, and how God worked through them being shipwrecked. And uh, just a powerful job with these two men. And then today, as I mentioned, we'll close out here in Matthew 14, talking about Peter. You know, speaking of storms, let's just make sure we are praying for our brothers and sisters and the different victims, because I believe Hurricane Matthew has touched down, uh, definitely in Florida. And I'm not sure if he hit Haiti and Jamaica. Is that is that sure? Not too much Jamaica, but it definitely touched base in uh, Jamaica, right? And Haiti, that's what I said. I want to make sure you're paying attention. So lots to pray about, right? We're in a storm season, so uh, as John Love mentioned earlier, there's always something to pray about. People need our help. But we'll jump into the text here, Matthew 14. We'll pick up in verse 22. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. The first thing I want to highlight this morning, when storms come in our life, is first we must recognize God's presence. When we are in the storm, we must make sure we recognize God's presence because oftentimes when we go through things, the last thing we want to recognize or we seem to look out after is where is God in this situation, in this scenario, right? Later on, we usually get there, but initially when the storms come, whether they're small storms or big storms, it's hard to see God sometimes. You know, 
There's a brother who used to be in a ministry in the Dallas-Fort Worth church, and he's lived there for many years, and then he moved for about seven, eight years to San Antonio, and then God, uh, through a job transfer, brought him here to Houston, and he's in the Gulf Coast region. His name is Rhett Spivey. I don't know if some of you heard of Rhett Spivey, he and his wife Debbie. Uh, we've had the privilege to be able to be mentored by them in our early years of the ministry as interns. Uh, but he has two grown daughters now, and I remember them when they were the same age as my daughters. And one of his daughters, who's a disciple in the north region of Dallas, she's a meteorologist. So he said, honey, we're going through a series in church called Storm Chasers, and I want to get some advice from you about storms. So what do you have to say about storms? So she was happy to give her dad some advice. You know how our kids love to give us advice, right? Because they're always hearing us tell them what they need to do. So she's like, Dad, I've been waiting for you to give me some, uh, ask me for some advice. So you can like her on Facebook, uh, Sarah Spivey, uh, if you want to. But she is a disciple, so your sister's on TV doing these cool things. But this is what she said from the interview uh, that she had. He, she told her dad, storms are needed to reduce the pollution in the air. It would create smog, kind of like L.A. smog, all the time, and we wouldn't be able to breathe if we did not have storms. She also said when lightning from a storm strikes the ground, it creates the nitrogen in the soil that allows plants to grow. Without storms, we would not have plants for food and no meat to eat because the grazing animals would die. No plants means erosion in a desert. Storms regulate the global temperatures from being too hot or too cold. Without storms, we and you, we would die. It's crazy, right? We need storms in our lives or we would die. And I think spiritually speaking, God knows he needs to take us through different routes and different passages in our lives to help us grow in our faith so we can get our security and see our greater need for him. You know, Mark 648, which is a parallel passage to this passage, it says he saw the disciples straining the oars because of the wind. Waves picked up and some believe it was roughly around 3 a.m. in the morning. And one of the disciples sees something walking on water and they thought it was a ghost. We see that also here in Matthew uh, 14, 26, right? But during the storms that we go through and the challenges that we go through in life, it often takes faith to recognize Jesus working on our behalf. And when we're going through different challenges in our lives, we have to be looking. We have to take, take a step back and say, what is God doing in this situation? Because sometimes our situation may seem bleak. It may seem so dark and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But that's where God wants us to take a step back and pray and fast and cry out to him and look at scriptures and say, God, I know I don't totally understand. But I know you are working on my behalf. When I'm asleep, you're awake. I know there's a way that there's some things here you want me to see. And I don't see it. But please give me some clues on how I can see how you're working. I often do that. Sometimes when I'm in a bad situation, or at least I feel like it's a bad situation, I'm always trying to find those little subtle ways where God might be working. Maybe it's in your parenting when you're with your children, or maybe it's with your boss at work. I'm always trying to find where, okay, okay, we're not where we want to be yet, but I saw some movement towards health. I saw some growth in that situation. God is trying to always help us to see him through the storm. 
You know, there's a technical term uh, that Jews called a theophany. Because oftentimes when we go through storms, it talks about Jesus and uh, Mark 6, it says he passed by the disciples right in the boat. And there's been some argument where some believe that did Jesus really just pass by and he wanted to ignore the disciples in the boat? Did Jesus just pass by and he really wanted to scare them? No, Jesus, God never leaves us hanging. He's always there to help if we allow him to help us. But it's a technical term to refer to a theophany, which means an appearance of God to humans. So passing by in certain passages in the Old Testament and New Testament was really meant to reassure them. It was an example of that God is there to take care of them. We see that in Exodus 33, verse 19. It says, and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name. The Lord is in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I, I will have mercy on and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion on. So there's certain times in the Bible where Jesus passes by people and it's not to scare them. It's not to throw them off. It's for them to know that he's there in their presence, willing to work on their behalf and that he wants to do something awesome and great. And in some certain situations, he performed a miracle. And we see that with Jesus getting out of the boat, walking on water, Peter walking on water. We see in Exodus 33, too. God put Moses in a cleft in a rock to pass by. We see in 1 Kings 19.11, God told Elijah to go stand on the mountain for the Lord is about to pass by. We also see in the New Testament, Jesus passing the blind man, Bartimaeus. When he heard from the disciples in a large crowd as a blind man, he, he heard Jesus was passing by and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We see that in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And later in that passage, by recognizing Jesus passing by, a miracle was performed. And because of his faith, he regains his sight back. Jesus doesn't just pass by us to overlook us. When we're going through different challenges in our life, I know we can often feel that, is he passing me by? I'm trying to do this right, and I'm trying to do this, and this is what I get? Jesus hasn't passed you by, brothers and sisters. You know, Matthew 14, verse 22 through 23, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. You know, these disciples obeyed and listened to what Jesus said to do. He told them to get in the boat and go to the other side, and they obeyed. But just because we obey as Christians sometimes, it doesn't mean we're exempt from storms. It doesn't mean we're exempt from going through things in life. And I often like to think I want to do this right because I know God's going to bless me and he will bless us. But God also blesses us when we ain't doing nothing right sometimes. Right. You ever seen that? I mean, I've been critical of people. I'm like, man, this dude is he, he, he don't even come to church. Seriously, I thought this. This guy doesn't do nothing. And here he is baptizing somebody, bringing people to church. Or here he is getting a great job. Nice home. Nice. I'm the only one who ever thought like this. Right. Maybe it's not anybody in the church. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. You know how when holidays come around, our family members pull up and they're bragging about all the things that they have. And we're just sitting there thinking, man, I can't believe that God is blessing them. And I'm trying to work hard to be a great Christian. And this is what I get. God is there to take care of you. Just because we're shareholders in the kingdom of God doesn't mean God has passed us by and we're exempt from storms. God uses storms to take us deeper into the waters of our faith. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey and walk, no matter how many years you've been a Christian, God still wants to take us out into deeper waters of our faith. 
You know, why would Jesus come at 3 a.m. in the morning? I don't know. But I do believe Matthew, the writer here, wants us to know that Jesus will often show up at times in our life when we least likely expect it. We don't know when Jesus is going to show up. Imagine it being three o'clock in the morning. How would you be if you saw a ghost-like figure like Jesus? You would probably scream at the top of your lungs and wake up the whole house. Jesus often shows up in our time, in our lives, when we least likely expect it. So the first point is when a storm comes, we must recognize Jesus. We must take a step back and see where is God in the picture here? When we're going through challenges, where is God? He's trying to help us in our situation. And secondly, before we close out, when a storm comes, once you recognize Jesus, you must then <laughs> get out of the boat. Once you recognize Jesus, it's time for you to do something. Put your faith into action. You got to get out of the boat. Right? Getting out of the boat or stepping out on faith doesn't mean doing something stupid or reckless or without thinking through a plan. You know, notice Peter didn't take his first step out of the boat until he asked Jesus in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, you tell me to come out of the boat. Now, whether Peter really meant to ask that question or not, what did Jesus say? Well, come on with your bad self. Come on out of that boat. Walk to me. He like, like, yeah, you, you asked me. So come on out of the boat, Peter. He got advice. Do we still get godly advice? Or do we just react? Do we just make these impulsive moves? When we get emotionally charged and God can still work through all that. I'm a Peter. I put my foot in my mouth. I had to apologize to y'all last week. I was shaking in my, my boots. But sometimes we say things and we do things and we don't think it through. Right. God. God is bigger than our challenges and our weaknesses and our mistakes. But we see Peter got advice. Do we still get input and advice in our lives? There's scriptures that we can look at that I'll just rattle off to you right now that you can highlight that, that advice seeking is still good. We see that in Proverbs 12.1. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I didn't call you stupid, the Bible did. <laughs> Proverbs 12.15, that same passage. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 13.10. Through insolence comes nothing but strife. But wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise guidance, you will wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Because Peter had the faith and obedience of God's wisdom during the storm, he was able to do something that no one has ever done in mankind other than Jesus himself. And now was to get out of the boat and actually for a few seconds, he walked on water. What could God do if you took your faith, your godly obedience with some great godly counsel, took it to God? What could he do in your life Amen. that could just transform and be a total game changer for you? Consider the conditions. Waves are crashing. Full force of winds. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Put yourself literally in Peter's position as we saw in the video. The Lord is inviting you to do something great. But sometimes we're scared, right? 
What would you do in that situation if you were Peter? Would you stay in the boat? Or would you be one of those other 11 back there saying, go on, Peter, go on. We got you, man. Go, Peter. Yeah, man. Woo, Peter got out of the boat. Whoa. Would you be Peter who got out of the boat? Or would you be some of the other disciples that sat in the boat? I've been on both sides of the fence. How about you? But speaking of boats, what is your boat? Because we all have a boat, don't we? And what is that boat? A.K.A. fear. What is your fear? Some of us have a tugboat. Some of us have a big old cruise vessel boat. Some of us just have a little fishing boat. But we all have a boat, right? We're all in different places with, with our faith, but we're also all in different places what might be fearful for us, right? What is your boat? There is more to life than just sitting in the boat. We all have storms that will enter our lives, but we must also understand that sitting in the boat and standing in the boat could be of great danger as well. There's a philosopher named Larry Loud. He spent about a decade focusing on risk management, focusing on rights of how we live and how we as people are so fear-driven. He says many people suffer from what he calls risk lock, kind of like the word gridlock. He, he says we suffer from what they call risk lock. It's a condition much like gridlock. It leaves us not wanting to do anything or not wanting to go anywhere. You ever felt like that in your life where you just feel stifled? You've been stung by life. You know you need to take a step forward. You know you need to step out on faith. You know you need to do something different or you know you need to just get your head back in the game and do the same thing all over again even if you completely fail, but you just feel stifled, you just feel stuck, you don't want anybody to talk to you, you don't know what to do. Whatever your situation may be, God wants to free you from that stinking thinking. And he's calling us to get out of the boat and to trust him, like Peter. Even if you fail, even if you blow it. You know, Larry Loud, after doing his extensive research, he summarizes risk management into 19 principles. I'm going to spare you of all the 19. I'm going to highlight the first and most important one that is profound. And the first principle that he shared is everything we do is risky. We think we're keeping ourselves from failure and danger. And he's like, staying in a boat is just as dangerous as getting out of the boat. If you're looking for safety, you will strike out, he said. The greatest hitters in the world fail two times out of three times when they swing. But if you never step out to the plate, you will never know the glory of what it is to hit a home run. There is danger in getting in the boat, getting out of the boat, and there's danger in staying in the boat. What is God calling you to do this morning as we close out this series? We've talked about all the different storms. We've highlighted different storms in both Old Testament and New Testament. But what are you going to do when the challenges are thrown at you? Are you going to stay in the boat? Or are you going to get out of the boat? What is God calling you to grow in this year? Our theme has been grow. And I know we haven't talked about it as much as we could and have should, should have. But what is God calling you to grow in? Are you, are you taking baby steps towards health and towards growth in whatever area that is in your life? How are you doing in your marriage? How are you doing in your parenting? Finances, personal purity, sharing your faith, bridging those relationships on your job and in the community. 
What are the different areas that you must grow in that nobody else knows but you and God? Have you decided to stay in the boat this last quarter of the year? It's the last quarter of the year, guys. It's time for us to get out of the boat and whatever that situation may be for you. But what's cool is either whether you get out of the boat or not, God has your back. I love what it says in Mark 6, where it says they were terrified after they saw Jesus walking on water and didn't recognize him. But in Mark 6, verse 50 through 51, it says immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then Jesus, with Peter, climbed back into the boat with them. And the winds died down. I just love how that story plays out. Jesus said, whether you guys believe or not, I'm going I'm I'm to get in a boat with you. I'm going to calm the storm down so I can increase your faith and let you know that I'm here with you, whether or not you're totally there or not. I just love that about Jesus. So as we close out the series this morning, church, remember to take courage. As we encounter storms in our lives, remember Jesus is right there with his hand stretched out to pull you right back into the boat. And remember, Jesus is right there to assist you in your time of need. And just like God saved Noah and and, and Jonah and and John talking about Paul, and and now we're wrapping up with Peter through their storms. Remember, he also will save us from ours. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's be dismissed and affect the fellowship and grab our kids from class. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that we got to go through this Storm Chasers series. There was so much that was shared, and uh, I just pray that uh, each of us was able to get something out of it that applies to our personal lives. And that we don't look to the person to the right or to the left and and say to ourselves, I hope they heard that lesson. They they sure needed it. But God, I pray that we we say that about ourselves, that we got something out of this series, God, and that we can implement and put something in practice. And uh, God, we're just so grateful for how you always went first through your son, Jesus. Jesus always went first with whatever he was calling us to do. Help us to imitate. We love you so much and thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is Miss Church.